Good morning, Grace Gospel Church. Uh, this is Pastor Troy Sergi here, and I'm here with Pastor Trent. And this is our very first podcast that we have going for our church that we have just started. And our first conversation that we're going to talk about is the concept of salvation. Uh, what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be born again and justified in uh, the sight of God? And I think there's a lot of different verses we can go to, um, but I'm going to uh, just start off by asking the question to uh, Pastor Trent. Pastor Trent, what does it mean to you to be saved? Yeah, I think this is like the most important um item we could talk about if we're talking about theology and our faith, um, you know, being saved. And I think uh, something every every believer needs to know, what it, what does it mean that I am saved, that I've been brought into a relationship with God? Um, and I hope that, that all of you who are listening have experienced that. And if you haven't, I, I hope that uh, the Holy Spirit be working in your heart and drawing you to him uh, today as we talk about these things. But uh, there's so many different aspects of, of our salvation, and, and sometimes we just use that word salvation, and it's it's just this big, broad word, and maybe we don't spend time thinking about the different aspects of, of what that entails. And so we're going to just, I guess, run through some different concepts here. And one of the first things, you mentioned the, the word uh, or the phrase being born again, and Jesus uses that phrase when he's talking to Nicodemus, and, and Nicodemus was a, a Pharisee, he was a uh, a teacher, um, a, a religious man in Israel, uh, one of the scholars, the, the the religious scholars of his day, and, and he, he, he sort of asked that question of Jesus about being saved. And, and Jesus said, unless you are, well, actually, let's go to the passage in John 3, uh, verses 3 through 8. Uh, Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? He um, you know, he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Um, and then we, I'll, just, I'll pause there, but uh, this was a, a concept that was just, um, it, it was something that, that Nicodemus couldn't picture. Right. Um, and, um, I mean, just kind of imagine, what, what was Nicodemus thinking at that moment? Yeah, I mean, he was 100%, like you said in, in verse 4 here, thinking about a mother's womb type of being born again. He wasn't thinking about the spiritual aspect at all. He, he the, the fleshly born again going back into his mother's womb was definitely what he was thinking. He wasn't thinking about uh, having to be born again through through spirit uh, of being brought into a new relationship with God like Jesus' ministry was all about. So I think Nicodemus definitely had a lot of questions, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think what Jesus is is really trying to point to is that there's this spiritual deadness that mm-hmm. that all people that enter this world are, are we, we don't realize it, but but we're, we're physically alive, but we are spiritually dead. Our hearts are not connected to the God who made us. We, we were made for a relationship with God, and sin breaks that connection, and so there's a spiritual deadness within us. We need to be made alive to God. And Jesus said that he could bring that about. Unless your heart, unless your soul, unless you're, you, know, you have been opened up and entered into this relationship with God, and you become spiritually alive, then you can't enter the kingdom of God. You cannot enter a relationship with, with our Heavenly Father. 
Right. And I think a big, a big part of that, that we have to understand of why we need to be born again or why we need to be saved is the sheer fact that God is holy and that we are not holy. I think so many times it's, it's so easy to put God in a box and to think he's like us in every way. Uh, and, and all of our opinions are God's opinions or, or the vice versa. But in reality, we are an unholy people uh, apart from Christ, apart from God because of our sinful nature. And, and that idea of being born again, that God renews us and makes us uh, holy in his sight. We talk about that next with being justified, being made right in God's sight. That is what ultimately matters when, when, you know, being saved. That's why we need to be saved is because God is holy and we are not holy and God demands holiness, but we cannot do holiness on ourselves. It's impossible to truly be perfect and holy on our own accord. And that's why we need Christ to bring us the salvation. Uh, so. And I think I think that's part of the reason why it was so hard for Nicodemus to wrap his mind around that is because he thought, hey, I'm a I'm a religious teacher, I'm a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you mean I need to be born again? I'm, I mean, am I not in a relationship with God? And and Jesus said, no, you're you're not. All of your efforts, all of your human energy, you've not you're not able to bring yourself into a right relationship with God unless you are born again, unless God brings about this transformation of your heart, this. Uh, this new creation in your heart, uh, unless God brings that about, you cannot enter a relationship with God. You're not in a relationship with God. And I think a lot of people are probably like him and think, yeah. hey, I'm okay, right? I mean, right. I'm a good person. I'm a, I'm a decent guy. So certainly God must must love me and, and, and God does love us. God, God loves us so much he sent his son, but we don't realize that emptiness or that void. Maybe, maybe it's there. Maybe we sense it every once in a while that, hey, there's something missing, but we don't quite know what that is. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, that's, that's the relationship with God you were made for. And you need that. And I've come to bring you into that relationship, but you need to be born again. And I think uh, that good works site kind of blinds us sometimes of, I'm a good person or they're a good person. Shouldn't God allow them to, to get into heaven? But I think a question that you can ask after that is, what does it mean to be good? Uh, you know, of course, Jesus says no one is good, but, but the Father. And um, I think that that's just an important question of what is good? You know, have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever cheated? Have you ever looked, uh, you know, for the opposite sex through lust? Like I, it, everything there shows that you are not good in God's sight, in God's sight. That's what matters because in our sight, sure, you can be a good person, but we're not God. Again, that goes back to God's holiness. So if you've admitted that you're a liar, uh, that you've lied before, that makes you a liar. If you've, if you've admitted you've stolen, uh, that means you're a thief in God's eyes. So uh, we're not, you know, it's not like we, we're here as the church to judge those types of sins that God is, but Ultimately, that shows us that we need to be born again. We can't rely on ourselves. We can't rely on our good works. We have to rely on who God is. And I think a, a great passage that also talks about born again, one of my first favorite passages uh, is uh, in First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, the, Praise be to God, our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, so great mercy and attribute of God, has called us to be born again through a living hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And living hope, it, this isn't a live hope. This isn't just words on paper. This is as alive as you and I are right now. And and it's and it, it's a beautiful aspect that God has called us to be born again. It's 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 a, a humility. It's, it makes me humble. It, it just brings us to our knees that we have the ability to be born again, not you know through our mother's womb again but to the spirit that we have 
the ability to be an unholy man dead in this world. And then God takes us out of this unholy world and makes us holy, but then puts us back into the unholy world itself. Uh, If you're following that, God changes us. He transforms us by being born again into a living hope here on earth because of Christ and allows us to live in a world that we know is sinful still, that we know is unholy. There's a lot of still, you could say, dead people, spiritually dead people walking among us. But God has the ability to bring us uh, into a relationship with him and still have us live out that message in the world today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think there's just so many great things about this picture that Jesus uses. Like, you know, the idea of a, of a child being born. You know, that child didn't do anything to make himself alive, right? The child is born. And that... Um, that that reminds us that God gives us this birth. It happens through the power of God, through the like you mentioned, the mercy mm-hmm. of God, through the work of Jesus Christ. That that it's it's His work, uh, making us alive. We can't a dead man can't bring himself to life, mm-hmm. uh, but God can give us life and make us alive. And it's a it's a great picture. What a you know, the day that you accepted Christ as your Savior. That is your spiritual birthday. And from that moment on, your heart is beating. For God, your soul is awakened to God. There is new life within you. And so that's an exciting, that, when a person is born, that's an exciting moment. I mean, everyone rejoices. And and, and the Lord tells us that, that when a person is saved, there's rejoicing in heaven. It's a joyful moment mm-hmm. when someone comes into a relationship with God. So any, anything more you want to talk about with, uh, or we want to move on yeah, to? Yeah, I think that we, should, we should move on to uh, justification because I think when I think of justification, you know, we talked about born again, I think of, you know, us being unholy and God's holy. But and similarly with justification, but I think what makes us unholy ultimately is our sin. Mm-hmm. And that's what separates us from God. Uh, Romans says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God in, in Romans three twenty three, And also he says, uh, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So sin leads to separation from God, but not only that, but death. So we need, of course, to be born again, to be brought to life, but also to be justified. And justified is being made right in the sight of God, uh, that God no longer sees our sin, but he sees his son, the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trent, could you read uh, the Romans yeah. uh, three nineteen through 24? Sure, passage? sure. And as, before I do that, I, you know, all of these terms sort of um, overlap, mm-hmm. I think, in some ways, but, but it's really neat how God gives us different pictures to help us understand. And this is more of a legal um, picture. It's a, it's a legal term. Justification is a legal term to be made, uh, declared innocent. Uh, and, and we'll get into that here in a minute. But um, just think, as, as we read these verses, think of this word justification in terms of a legal declaration or pronouncement by God. Uh, Romans 3.19, for now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So again, we have that legal idea here. It speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So I, I, yeah, I think, again, here, this is a legal terminology. And Paul is, is using this word, 
and, and he's talking in reference to the law of Moses or the, the, the Mosaic law, the law of God. And the law of God reveals what is, what is right, what is good, what is pure, what is holy, and what is not, and what's a violation. And, and so when God gives the law, he, he, he leaves us without excuse. All of humanity is without excuse because God has revealed his, his standard. This is the holy standard of God. And as we look at that law, we realize we all fall short. Yeah, and I think uh, what's big, too, with, with looking at the law is that the law is written on our hearts, the Bible says, too. So we all know uh, because we're human and we're created in God's image what is right, what is wrong, morally, what is acceptable, not acceptable. And that's kind of a big debate today uh, of absolute truth, of what is true, what is what is a moral compass. Is there even such thing as a moral compass that's that's in built within us and... And some people would say, no, well, morality is just uh, something that we can pick and choose of what is right, what is wrong to us, make, make it our truth or our, our, our truth or whatever, how we want to live. But the Bible says, no, we know we have a moral compass. We have a law written on our hearts that tells us what things are wrong, what things are right. That's built within us. And I think not just what's right and wrong, but around us in nature, we can look at a sunset and see the beauty of God. We can look at uh, a, a newborn child and 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 be be awestruck of that. And I think what I, where I'm getting at with the, with this in, in justification in our salvation is that we know that there is a God. That, that there is a, a moral standard that we need to live by. And because of that, that and and, and because that we know that we f- have failed that at one point in our life there is a sense of justification that needs to happen in our life. There's a there's a sense of, okay, this is the standard. I, myself, have not reached this standard on my own, but I want to have a relationship with God. I want to be made right in His sight. How do I do that? Mm-hmm. And we know uh, Romans, another passage, a couple, couple chapters later in Romans chapter 5, the opening verse in verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith. So faith is is how we're justified. Faith is how we've been made right, not just here in this time of of God's grace, but in the past, uh, through the law, uh, faith has always been the underlining passage in the whole whole Bible, not just the New Testament or the the Pauline uh, letters, but faith is how we're justified in God's sight. And because of that, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not just having faith in some uh, deist God or some some creator who who made the world and then disappeared. It's not just God or a God, but it's the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, but also the God, the same God who sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die on our sins. It's it's that God. It's the one and only God. It's not a higher power. It's the God who sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to bring us into a justified relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. And I think this is definitely something that separates Christianity from every other religion. Every other religion says that you have to justify mm-hmm. yourself. You have to climb the ladder, make yourself right with God, either by by keeping religious ordinances, by jumping through religious hoops, the different, um, maybe different uh, observances, um, ceremonies, or, or maybe through a certain amount of good works. If you do this good work, this good work. And there's this idea, this picture of, of a scale. And, okay. and on the one side is your sin, weighing down that side of the scale. And on the other side is, is the good works, the good life that you live. And if you can manage, this is the, the view of other religions, if you can manage to, to, 
to tips the scale in your favor by doing enough good, then maybe God will let you into heaven. That's, and so people who live with that mindset are always asking, have I done enough? Have, have I, is the scale, is it even? Is it, you know, um, I, in, in, they don't know until they're, the idea is, oh, I won't know until I get to heaven. And so there's this constant concern, this constant performance mindset that I have to do something to get God to love me. And if I can do more, and oh, maybe I messed up today and so God doesn't love me anymore. And so I have to do even more tomorrow. And, and so you've got either two, two attitudes when you have that sort of um, legalistic mindset. And one is that either, either you're proud because you think, wow, look at all the good things I've done. I'm a great, I've made myself into a great person. And, and Jesus even talks about the, the smug Pharisee who's patting himself on the back saying, Lord, thank you for making me so much better than all these worthless sinners out there. I'm such a good guy. And, and we see people today, don't we? Even mm-hmm. we see that Pharisaical attitude yeah. of people who think, boy, look at what I've done. Look at how religious I am. I've done all these great things. But that's self-righteousness, isn't Correct. it? That's, it is, that's yeah. sin in itself. That's pride. Yeah. And so that's one attitude. The other extreme is the person who realizes that the scale isn't tipping in their favor, that look at the weight of the things I've done wrong, and, and there's despair. You know, oh, I, could, I, I realize I can never do enough. I'm, I'm guilty. I'm, a, I'm terrible. I'm a horrible person. God could never love me. Look at mm-hmm. the bad things I've done. Yeah. I could I've heard never, both, yeah. 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 And, and it's interesting, <laughs> the people in the, in the days of Paul, mm-hmm. in, in the days of Jesus, uh, even in the Old Testament, people today wrestle with those same, those same basic things, right? Right. right. And I think, too, uh, just understanding the concept of grace and, and, and the attribute of grace, but also what does it mean to live by grace and to walk by grace, uh, I think that, to me, shatters all mm-hmm. all work-based salvation of knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God, that 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 we're secure and that our salvation will never spoil and fade, like like Peter says. So... Uh, all of that, I think, truly understanding the scriptures, truly grasping these virtues, verses of being justified, being born again, being called into a new relationship of God that, that, that can't spoil, that can't fade, that nothing can separate us. When we understand those attributes of God, but also theological concepts of, of our you know salvation, that, that's our big topic here, of our salvation, I think those worldly uh, and and works based uh, attitudes and and beliefs slowly creep out of our head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when we when we grasp these things, we no longer look at uh, like I said the works based or the worldly type of salvation or what the world tells us, what other religions tell us. I think, and, and I think that's what comes with the sanctification process as we dr- grow closer to Christ, as we as we understand the Bible more and more. Uh, I think the worldly things that is put in front of us every day uh, disappear. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's been the same journey with your Christian yeah. life? Yeah, I think for sure. And I, I think you know, grace is such a powerful thing. And when we realize it is by grace, it's by it's by faith. It's it's not through what we've done, but through what Christ has done for us. And that, again, going back to that courtroom idea that mm-hmm. that you know, like if it's if it's based on our merit, the gavel is going to come down. And the verdict is going to be guilty. But Jesus took our place and Mm -hmm. he died on the cross. He took our sin so that his righteousness could be transferred to us. And there's really two things going on with justification. Our guilt is transferred to Jesus and he dies. He bears the penalty 
for us so that we, we don't have to endure the wrath of God that we deserve. But then the second part is that the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. It's like we're clothed right. in the righteousness of God. And so that when, when, when our Father, our Heavenly Father sees us, he doesn't see us as dirty or sinful or, or you know, horrible people. He sees us as, as those who are pure and he sees us in light of his son, Jesus. So he, he, he loves us so much that he does mm-hmm. that for us. It's like you said, it's a humbling thing. Yeah. And, and our response to that is that we want to give our lives to him and live for his glory. Exactly. And, and that's the motive when people say, well, what's, what's the motive for living is, is there no place for good works? No, there is a place for good works. It's not to earn God's favor. It's because we have been given God's favor. It's a response to the, to the love that God has shown to us. Our love for God, because of his love for us, moves us to serve him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we, you talked about God being loving and, and forgiving, and we talked about holiness, and those are all very true attributes of God. But also, he's a, he's a just God too. And I think this is important for salvation as well. And uh, a verse I'll read, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 9 says, Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. And I think this can sometimes uh, be portrayed to maybe non-believers or even some believers as as you know, hateful or even uh, we don't like to talk about the wrath of God or maybe even scary. But to a, to a, a believer who's put their faith in Christ and, and who is justified and who has been born again, the wrath of God really shouldn't scare us. It should humble us. Um, it talks about fear of God, but fear... Is a respected level of fear. It's not a fear like you're, you know, paralyzed, crippling in a in a corner, shaking. Not not that kind of fear, but a a, a humble fear of looking at who you are, but looking at who God is. And I think that's an important concept to look at. And and when we are justified by His blood, it says we are saved from the wrath of God. So when someone says, "I am saved," or "So and so got saved a couple of years ago," they're basically saved from sin and death and saved from the wrath of God, saved from separation of God. Mm-hmm. So the concept of being saved, uh, we, we see in, the, in this verse here, it's being saved from God's wrath, but also uh, being saved from from living in a, in a lifestyle where sin is your life, living in sin. Uh, and, and instead, when you are saved, you're brought into relationship with Christ. His ways become your ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything you want to say about, yeah. about the wrath of God and being saved from that? Yeah, and that, that, that will actually just leads us right into our next, our next point of reconciliation. Um, but I, yeah, we'll, we'll go on and talk about reconciliation. But um, I, I think a lot of people have that concept of God being you know, an, angry, an angry God who is, is sitting in the clouds waiting to unleash lightning bolts at those who, when we mess up. And, yeah. and that's not really the biblical view of God at all. God, God is a God who goes to great lengths to redeem us and to restore us and to make us his children. And there's a reconciliation that takes place. And um, you talked about, you know, sanctification and, and how, you know, we're not perfect people when we come to know Christ. It's not like instantly all of a sudden we start doing you know, we never, we never sin again. Mm-hmm. We're, we're still a work in progress, but God is changing us and shaping us and, and molding us and, and our desires change and, and our thoughts are changing because of what God has done in us. And, and I, I think this next point really goes along with that reconciliation is that, you know, we've, we've been born again so that we are, we enter into a relationship with God. Our hearts are alive. We're justified so that God declares us not, not guilty. He shows us grace. 
And then he reconciles us. He brings us. We go from being enemies of God to friends of God. He brings us into that living relationship. We can have a personal relationship with God. Uh, we can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, it, it's not, you know, we don't think of, of Jesus as a person who just lived a long time ago and did great things, and now we try to follow his example. That's that's true that, that Christ literally walked the earth and lived mm-hmm. a perfect life and did all of the things that, that Scripture says and died for us and rose from the dead. But he's alive, and we have a relationship with him uh, through faith. And um, do you, would you like to, there's a, there's a lot of yeah. great passages, yeah. but... Um, you know, there's, there's, is there a passage you want to share? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, just the whole Second Corinthians five uh, passage is big with that. But I think uh, there's a couple of different, uh, I think, twofold aspects of the Second Corinthians five passage. And the first one is uh, just yes, the message of re- reconciliation uh, of He who knew no sin became sin, so we can become the righteousness of God. That's the that's verse twenty one. So that's the ending part of of reconciliation that that Christ who was who was a perfect sinless man and that we were uh, and that we are a sinful uh people group we are sinful men and women that he reconciled us back to God and he's the reason through that I mean that is reconciliation right there of, of who God is and reconciling us back to him but another aspect is this ministry of reconciliation that he gave us this ministry to to go out it says that we're ambassadors of Christ in verse 20 but to go out into the world and to share this message of reconciliation so there's a there's a ministry a, a, a marching order aspect of reconciliation that we're not just to keep this message to ourselves but we're to go out with our salvation we're to not only live it out with our our lifestyle but we're to live it out with our words too mm-hmm. and um i i just think reconciliation is something that's probably the thing i've grown the most in the past year is is understanding reconciliation more uh, of what god did the great lengths of god that he's done to reconcile mankind back to him through the person of christ and and that we are to live a life of sharing that message that's why it's important to you know support either with prayers or or financially with with you know uh, missionaries or or a church family or or whatever because this message of reconciliation is so important to to make sure that men and women um understand that we're to be reconciled with God. And I, I actually have a, a, a small story to share. I, I, I have a friend who, who, who is a Muslim and, and, and Islam has been a part of his life. And he asked me, uh, you know, so, so Christians think only Christians go to heaven, right? And I said, I guess you could say that, but in a way I want to make it way more clear and, and, and biblical of what, what I believe of that. It's not Christians or, or people who go to church or, or people who follow the quote-unquote religion of Christianity who go to heaven, but it's instead uh, people who have been reconciled back to God. It's people who have been reconciled back to God through the person of Christ who are saved. Who are going to heaven. It's this message of reconciliation that we trust and put our faith in that we've been justified by, that we've been born again by, and, and we've been reconciled by this too. Mm-hmm. So it's not Christians or, or those who go to church on Sunday. Uh, it's those who have been reconciled back to God. And I know that even in the Jewish faith, there's people who uh, you know, are born in that custom and in that ethnicity, ethnicity 
and they have you know practiced the you know the sabbath and and things like that so the jewish culture is a part of their faith but they're called a messianic jew because they've put their faith in the messiah the lord jesus christ the messiah who has come to again reconcile mankind so a lot of them sometimes maybe even um still are a part of that custom so i guess what i'm trying to say is all that is don't think don't think the sunday morning crew uh is, is the only only thing really that 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 makes us holy in his sight but instead it's this message of reconciliation that brings us back to god yeah, and i think paul's paul's message is that god is reaching out to all people mm-hmm. and yes god is reaching out to all with this message of reconciliation and where, wherever you come from whatever continent on the planet um, and the New Testament makes it so clear, and Paul's letters make it so clear. He was a missionary and had a heart for, for all people, and God has a heart for all people, that, that God is, is reaching out to all. Whatever your ethnicity might be or whatever your background might be, God yeah. is reaching out to all. And, and what's key here is that there's, there's a, a commitment or there's, a, uh, there's, there's faith in Christ, the Savior, that, that is necessary. So wherever you come from, mm-hmm. whether you come from the United States, whether yeah. you come from Israel, whether you come from Saudi Arabia, whether you come from Africa or Asia, wherever you come from, God is reaching out to all and, and urging and begging all to be reconciled to him. And I, I think probably all of us have had a broken relationship at mm-hmm. one time or another, maybe you know a friend who you had a falling out with for whatever reason. And a lot of times when there's a broken relationship, there's, there's this barrier uh-huh. that exists in between. And, and sometimes we in our, in our human, our humanness will say, well, I'm not going to go to that person until they come to me. <laughs> you know, they've got to come and tell me how sorry they are. Right. And, and I, you know, they're the ones who did wrong and they have to come back and make it up to me. Yep. And then, then I will <laughs> receive them as my friend again. Yeah. And, and that's, that's sort of our humanness. And it's amazing when we think about God, you know, God is the one who didn't do any wrong. We are, we are the party who offended God. We, we rebelled against God. We turned our backs on God. God had every right to say, okay, I'm done with the human race. And in fact, I'll just pour out my judgment, which is, which is righteous judgment. I could be done with, with the whole lot of humanity right now, and it would save me a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. God, God could have responded that way and been totally right, mm-hmm. but God didn't do that. God was the offended party, but he took the first step. And God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. God took on humanity and flesh and blood and, and walked this earth and he came near to us. That's always been his desire to walk with us in a relationship with us and to, to dwell in our midst and for us to know him in a personal way. And he came, even though we offended him and we sinned against him, he came to us and he, he did everything. He took the, the barrier out of the way by dying on the cross for our sins. He took, he took that sin upon himself so that he could draw us and invite us into a relationship. And he took the sins of the whole human race, the whole world upon himself. And now the only thing left is for us to respond in faith and to trust him as our savior, to receive him. And it's like if a person is extending their hand of friendship to you, mm-hmm. you have a, ch- a choice. You can either take hold of that hand of friendship mm-hmm. or you can slap that hand away. Correct. And, and God is holding that hand of friendship out to all of us saying, I, I've done this for you because I love you and I want to draw you into a relationship. And, and, and many, you know, God, praise the Lord, we, we, the Holy Spirit works in our heart and we come to see the gospel is true and we put our faith in Jesus and we enter that relationship and we are reconciled to God 
the, the animosity, the hostility, the enmity is taken out of the way and we experience his love. But sadly, there are many who are blinded mm-hmm. to that, to the truth of God, who in a sense, they slap his hand away right. and, and they say, no, no, this is the way that I'm going to, no, no, I'm going to put my faith in this religion or I'm going to put my faith in my efforts and I don't need what Christ has done. I'm going to do it myself. And, and sadly, they miss the reconciliation that's yeah. available. So God invites us into a relationship, but we have to respond. He's, he's reaching out. And if you've never put your faith mm-hmm. in Christ, just think of it this way. God is holding out his hand of friendship to you and urging you to be reconciled. In fact, later in that passage, um, Paul talks about, we beg you, yep. be reconciled to God. Paul traveled the world pleading with people to receive the gospel and to turn to Christ and to accept that salvation. And so with your friend, yep. you know, your, your Muslim friend, right. you can say, you know, God loves you. Christ right. did this for you. Yes. It's not me. It's not because I was born in America right. and, and grew up in a church. And, exactly. and th- it, it's because Christ died for me mm-hmm. and I, I took hold yeah. of that hand that he's, he's holding out. And you can take hold of that hand too and enter a relationship with God. And right. God loves all people and he's holding his hand out to all uh, but we need to take hold of that hand in faith right and i think the the hand is such a good uh illustration because we know that god desires all men to be saved that's in first uh, timothy 2 so god if god desires all all men to be saved think of yeah seven billion what that's the world population now seven billion hands that's it's god's hand extending to every man and woman in, in the world and it's just about shaking that hand being reconciled with god putting that faith in christ and it's not because you live in america or you've grown up in the church or yeah it doesn't matter where you're you're born that hand is still out there it doesn't matter what religion you were you were raised up in it's it's about accepting that hand accepting the salvation and the gift of the lord jesus christ yeah will you turn to god will, will you, you turn to yes. christ will you turn to christ and i think and of course we we have a couple of things uh that are important still with salvation and that's uh we talked about sanctification a little bit but like the indwelling of the holy spirit that we believe that's the third part of the trinity the holy spirit comes and dwells within our hearts and that can convict us it can um we, we also know it baptizes us into uh, Christ. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. And that's a very important thing to, to understand is that we have God himself now living inside of us through the Holy Spirit. And uh, if we have God himself living inside of us, that, that makes our bodies now, uh, you know, holy and pure. And that we're to, to live out that, that message because we have literally God inside of us. And, and that's a humbling thing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I... There's so much we could talk about. With uh, we've had a great a great discussion yeah. here today, and and I, I kind of wonder if maybe we ought to come back and yeah, do another yeah, yeah. another one maybe. on on what it means to be saved. Sure. There's so much more, but um, yeah, we talked about it means to be born again. Yeah. You're, you're alive. Right. You're alive. If you've come to know Christ as Savior, your heart is alive in a way that wasn't before, and you are you are reconciled. You're mm-hmm. brought into a relationship with God that you. You can have a relationship with God, and, and God calls you friend, and you can, you're a child of God, and God is your father. And we talked about um, justification, that that legal, that legal declaration, not guilty, that God has taken your place and paid the debt and, and, and satisfied the, the demands of the law where right. we couldn't, we couldn't. Uh, and you mentioned, um, you know, again, maybe we'll come back and talk about things like adoption, being yep. adopted into God's family and mm-hmm. sanctification, God changing us. And, and the new creation to our identity now. Mm-hmm. That's big too, our identity. 
Mm-hmm. But um, we've appreciated uh, just going through uh, just the, the scriptures and looking at what it means to be saved. What does it mean to, to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what that means uh, in our standing with God. And uh, we, we appreciate our church family for listening and maybe even those not in our church family but are in the Ada or Ohio community. And uh, we look forward to, to bringing you a new message each and every week. So anything else, Pastor oh, it's, Trent? It's been fun. It's first podcast. First I, podcast. I've had a good time. Yes, so yes. hope you have too. Yes, absolutely. Take care and God bless. We'll be praying for you.